Cash Color Cannabis, a high level of conversation on live hiphopdaily.tv. Got my guest in the building tonight, Spark. What's good with you, man? What up, what up, man? Everything good, everything good. Hey, shit, man. Yeah, you know, I surprised you earlier today, man. I, when, when you walked in, I hit you with a picture from 2007. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're gonna get into that later. But I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm blessed to be able to. You one of the the many artists who've come through the show who who is a weed connoisseur and also just a dope MC. I, but one of the ones who I've actually had a chance to watch kind of grow into where they at right now. You know what I mean? Like I literally yeah. remember that picture when I when I booked you. I was like, I'm gonna go find that picture because like I remember when that kid was rocking around with the mixtapes and shit. Yeah, yeah here he is, man. But we gonna get into all that. Spurfed off, man. Talk to us about how Atlanta treating you. How, how's the city been treating you so far? Oh man, Atlanta been love. It's been. It's it's been love. I mean, it's cold. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's cold, but, you know, it's cool. It's I, cool. I'll apologize for the cold. Like, people keep saying this is still technically the East Coast. Like, I'm from Boston. All I moved right. down south because I wanted heat. And the minute I came down here, I realized they'd be snowing down here. It'd be cold. Yeah. It's, everything other than, it's everything other than what I thought it was about to be. Yeah, yeah man. Um, it's hella cold. But, you know, <laughs> like, wintertime, you know, like, for everybody who get fly, like you really get to get fly in the wintertime. Oh, for the, sure. You know, with the layers yep. and the accessories, you know, scars or some, you yeah. know what I mean? So, you know, it's cool on that aspect. We too. talking fly fashion yeah. right now, man. That's that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> let's for get sure. into let's get into how you found yourself in hip hop, man. Like like how did you find hip hop over like in the first place? Like when was you introduced to the culture? Um I can't really say when I was introduced. I mean, to be technical, I wasn't even born in this country. Mm. You know, I was born in the country of Panama. Uh, my mother's Panamanian. My pops was in the military. He met her out there. And, right. You know, they had me. But um, as far as I can remember, I even like just through school, like I just I used to love to write. Mm. Like if there's any like uh, subject I excelled in, it would be stuff like English or communications or you know, writing, stuff like that. So I just love to write. And, you know, when I started, you know, making it rhyme, it just it just came so easy. I just felt like this is what I was just was like supposed to be doing. You know what I mean? And to be here, I feel like I'm doing, I'm, I'm on the right path. You know word, I mean? word, man. Who are some of the artists, I guess, you, you, you did catch on to eventually when you did, when you did find the culture? Um, I was real big on, like, a lot of East Coast rap. Okay. Like, Jay-Z... DMX, fabulous, you know what I mean? Yeah. But me being from Texas, I mean, I, I I always had to hear, you know, like the screwed and chopped stuff. And, you know, I, I was a fan of that as well. So I, I kind of feel like my style is like a mixture of, you know, being from the South but still being able to be like, you know, lyrically inclined with it too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, growing up in Texas is, is a different animal. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I tell people Texas, like California, is almost like this own country inside oh, yeah. of the country. Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, for one, you know what I'm saying? When, it, when, you, when you growing up in Texas, what was it like growing up in Texas? And also, how, how did that Texas music scene inspire you as far as being an artist? Oh, uh, man, it, it hella inspired me. Like, like, I grew up listening to, like, if, when it comes to Texas music, like, you know, the Chameleonaires and the Paul Walls, yeah. you know, that comes from the camp of, you know, uh, DJ Michael, Michael 5000 Watts from yep. Swisher House. You know what I mean? Like, one of the biggest DJs, if not just the South, but definitely in Texas, like, for sure. You know what I mean? So I grew up on him, and, it, you know, it's just kind of funny to fast forward, you know, just in 2016, you know, he became our tour DJ. Mm. You know, we toured, like, all through Texas and even, you know, a few spots outside of the state. You know what I mean? Like, all paid gigs with a deposit sand in the back end when we pull up you know and that was my first you know like headlining tour you know what I mean it was it was called the uh, the rapper and the DJ tour just me and Watts so to be able to tour with somebody like him 
you know, and, and, and I had somebody like that acknowledge what I got going on. It was just crazy. That's solid, man. You know, it's crazy. Like, like again, when you said the paid shows, that's one thing I used to love about Texas artists. They get paid to do oh, yeah. to, to to do the rapping thing. Yeah, like that, sure. that's that's no lie about that, man. Yeah. You know, and, and the thing I love about Texas is it's one of the illest independent scenes. You'll see you'll see when it comes outside of the bay. You know, yeah. to be completely honest with you, like everything down there is self sustained. You have your own labels. They, at one point, they had their own distribution. You know, what I'm saying when it came to the CDs, everything was just kind of a, a made for Texas almost. Yeah. Now you in Atlanta, and Atlanta's a different animal when it comes to the independent scene. You know, like they definitely. The artists are grinders, you know what I'm saying? Like, they definitely hungry as hell. But it's not the same mentality where it comes, you know what I'm saying, where, where y'all was. What's the biggest difference you've seen in the, the scenes between Atlanta and, and, and Texas since you've been in Atlanta? I think the biggest thing is, like, um, like, I ain't been here long enough to really know, but I know for sure back at the crib, yeah. you could still press up your, your CDs and, and eat. Yeah. Like CDs still sell. Like people still press up CDs. People still got CDs in their car in Texas, yeah. though. You know, yeah, they, like they got sure. old like, schools. You know what I'm saying? Like that's the grind. Like back home, I know it's like a streaming age and everything. Yeah. You know, but I come from where, like, if I wanted to put out a tape and I pressed up like a thousand pieces, like I know for sure, like I'd be shipping them out at ten dollars a piece, like to the people who support my music. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it's 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 well documented if you follow my career like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's crazy, you know, to to speak that because you you ain't lying. If you pass me a CD up here, I'm gonna ask you where you want me to play this. You know what I'm saying? Because I ain't got no CD player. I don't even know nobody with a CD player. Believe that. But you go to Texas, yeah. All them old schools, somebody got a CD player. Oh yeah, for sure. So somebody buying that man. So that I know that's and I've always wondered that the biggest differences between the two. Because I know if people, they look at Atlanta almost like it's a, it's um, it's Narnia or some shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, you come out here and you just magically turn into whatever you're supposed to turn into as an artist. But I'm like, if you go to a place like Texas, that's almost like a breeding ground to become an artist. You know what I'm saying? Like, they, t- they that grind teaches you how to become an artist. Yeah, yeah, it's trippy. Like, I, I was telling somebody the other day, like, back home, especially in my city, it's like a real small city. Yeah. You know, so I'm like big fish, small pond out there. But when I come out here, even though I got a deal... I'm still virtually, to some people, probably a lot of people out here, like, you know, nameless, faceless, you know, even though I'm signed to a platinum-selling producer like Drummer Boy. Yeah. Like, I still have to come here and put in the work to make these people be fans of mine and understand why somebody like Drummer would sign me and have me move out here to work on my album. So, yeah. it's crazy. That's what's up, man. But this ain't the first time you've actually been lined up with a with a big-name artist, you know what I'm saying? When yeah. I first met you, you was, you were signed to Scarface. Definitely. Um, speak to us about that experience, and what did you learn from Face as far as, like, you know, as being an artist and even the music business? Like, what did you learn in that situation? Um, that situation just taught me that, you know, even being from a small city, you know, a, a group of high school kids with the right drive and determination, you can catch the right eye and ear and end up in a situation and it's up to you to take that situation and, and, and push that as far as you can take it. Okay. You know what I mean? And what happened to the group situation? And, and, and you know, did you, were you always just inevitably to go solo? Or? Maybe it was in the stars, you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know. Like, when, we, when the Scarface situation, for those who don't know, I was in a rap group that was called Green City. Yep. That was the name of the group. You know, so that situation was never, it was never a spark dog situation. Like, you know, what I got now is a spark dog situation. That was a group situation with my high school homies and it was dope for what it was worth to catapult whoever wanted to take that and take it wherever they could take it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now I'm in this situation, and we're going to push that as far as <laughs> I ain't, ain't nothing about it, man. So now you're working with Drummer Boy, um, and that's a major thing. You know, you're talking about somebody who got Jeezy's or Usher's. Like, you got a major, you got a lot of credits under your name. How did Drummer catch, how did you catch the attention of Drummer Boy in the first place? Um, 
Like the long version or the short version? I want the weed version. Yeah, give me the long version. <laughs> like, like right, bring, bring it around with it, man. We're going to take it back. <laughs> yeah, take me back. All right. Same way how, like, uh, you showed me that picture from, like, a music conference yeah. back in the day. Well, there used to be, like, an, uh, a pop in awards show called the Southern Entertainment Awards. Oh, shout out to Gennaro. Yeah, I know that. Out there in the Tennessee area. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes Tunica, Mississippi. You know what I mean? And I, I got a homie by the name of uh, Hood Boss, but now he goes by Hoodie Baby. He's with Wayne. But anyway, he was cool with drums. And so Hood Boss was like our mutual friend. We got introduced by Hood Boss. From there, we had like a, a cool like little texting relationship just from bumping into each other at different events. And then he ended up in Texas, and I ended up popping up at one of his South by Southwest events that he was uh, hosting, talking about drum. Yeah. And uh, I just came to say what's up, and he was like, yo, if you want to, you know, rock out on stage, feel free, and I'll perform. Mm. And when I performed, it turned into a, a situation where we got way more cordial with each other after I could tell that like, he appreciated my music. Maybe like two years after that, I ended up out here for A3C. I hit him up like, uh, yo, I'm in your city, like what's popping? I'm really thinking like, you know, it's A3C, let's go turn up at a club or something. He's like, <laughs> he's like, yo, I'm in the lab. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You wanna see me shit, pull up to the studio. And I'm like, you know, damn, like, he's inviting me to the studio. You know what I'm saying? So, shit, I shoot to the studio. I play him some records. He likes the records. He gets to talking about how he wants to put out, like, a, a DJ Khaled-type album, but, like, with his production on it. Okay. With, like, a bunch of artists. And he's, like, you know, just naming artists that he could see on it, like Jeezy or Yo Gotti or Gucci. And he was, like, you know, and if Spark got something hard, it'll go on there, too. And it's, like... To hear him say that, just kind of like, mm. like, damn, did he really say that? And so I really just, it went in one ear after the other. Some months go by, he surprises me like, yo, check your email, I sent you some beats. Yeah. One of the beats ended up, he sent me like three. One of them stood out to me and I recorded a song to it. I didn't actually record the whole song, I just did a hook, I just did a hook in the verse. Because I'm still thinking of what he told me about how he's putting a bunch of different people yeah, on yeah, track, yeah. so I'm like, yo, he could probably get somebody on the record, so I could shoot it to him like that. Like, this is 